mindfulness mode. You're really doing yourself a disservice, your future self a disservice if you don't really dedicate yourself to moving forward now. Hey, Mindful Tribe. Today, we have a guest with us who can help you pivot. She can help you learn more more specifically about where you truly want to go because isn't that often our problem we we sometimes think we we know and then we don't and then we think we know and some some of us get a little confused with all this well i've got a guest here who not only can help you with that but she's created a journal called the clarity journal and this journal is really incredible and i know that because i've read some of the reviews and i've talked to the author and and i know how effective it can be to help people to really figure out exactly what they want in life i'm so pleased to tell you that today i'm here with becca ribbing becca are you in mindfulness mode today i am actually it's been you know, it's some. It's funny because I have kids, so sometimes it's hard to be in mindfulness mode because it's like reacting to them. But I, I've gotten myself recentered from this morning's festivities, and <laughs> well, it's definitely not always easy to be in mindfulness mode. Things happen, life happens, but you know, we just keep plugging along. What does yeah. mindfulness mean to you, Becca? You know, I think to me, mindfulness means awareness. Um, and I, so I actually have kind of a funny story of how I found mindfulness. Mm. I was 12 and I was taught, there's this girl that came and visited. I don't know. I think she was an aunt. I can't actually even remember who she was visiting. It was someone in my neighborhood and she was like a California Valley girl. She spoke with that Valley girl accent, long blonde hair. She was so cool. And I was talking, I spent about two weeks talking to her and hanging out with her that one summer. And she was telling me about how a Buddhist monk came into their school and taught them how to meditate. And I was a big geek at that moment. I mean, I'm still a big geek, but I was like, ooh, like Luke Skywalker? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so she taught me how to meditate. Like in a very 13-year-old way, she was like, you sit cross-legged, you put your hands on your knees, and you picture the breath coming in, and you picture the breath going out. I think that is literally the extent of the instruction I got. And I started meditating very regularly, like basically when I was in eighth grade. And, you know, it wasn't until I got to be an adult that I did more reading about Buddhism and different theories. And it was, I think, really powerful to me to be taught by a child because when you're taught mindfulness as a child by a child, you leave out all of the rules and really break it down into the simplest form. You can't write a book that's sit cross-legged, put your hands on your knees and visualize your breath. Like, and that's it. You can't even write a blog post. No. Sure. <laughs> you could tweet it. I should start tweeting my mindfulness. You could tweet it, Becca. Yes, you could. <laughs> this is a great story. I love it. And so when I think about mindfulness, I really do always come back to that childlike state. You are just in the moment. And I love talking about it because so few people have had that 
very particular experience. <laughs> and so I think it helps bring other people back to this is the basics. And yes, people do write 200 page books on this. And those are really insightful and wonderful. But on the other hand, that 180 character tweet that you get from a child is also extremely valuable. It really, really is. And uh, that's the thing, you know, it can be so complicated, but it's such a simple thing. So it doesn't need to be complicated. We can only, as humans, we make things complicated a lot. (laughs) Especially as adults. (laughs) Yeah, especially as adults. Yeah. Yeah. Kids have that particular ability to keep things simple a lot of times. Oh, you just do this, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah, and like, that's very cool. and I don't. It doesn't even matter to me whether you do it. Like, it, you know, when the kids yeah. do it, it's not. It's without attachment. They're, yes. Like, they just so lack attachment to whether they're doing it right, whether you're doing it right, whether you know. It's it's really wonderful. And do any of your children meditate? Do any of, the, of your children follow mindfulness? They do uh i don't really push it so they come and go but i have this really wonderful picture of my i think he's at 13 now but i think it was probably when he was about eight we went and we found we we always would go to this island and on the island one of the churches had built this beautiful um labyrinth like the walking paths yes and he got to the middle of it and it was overlooking the Pacific Sound or the it was in um, Orcas Island, which is in the Puget Sound. And mm-hmm. so it was overlooking the water and he just naturally like plopped himself down, sat cross legged and started meditating at the end of it. And I was just like, oh, and both of them will do that to calm down. Uh, and they will only even now my 13 year old only meditates for a couple minutes at a time. But that's all he needs. He does sure. it for as long as he needs. He's not setting a timer. He's just like aware of when he's getting dysregulated and or he's aware of the beauty around him and he just wants to soak it in. Like there are, I think, a lot of reasons why children will decide to naturally like just sit down and take a moment. And I love it. My younger son is himself only eight. So he does it every once in a while. We were pretty good about doing it with him during COVID to help him. Um, We just moved and he's been on the go ever since we moved. So this is actually a good conversation. I haven't ever been asked that. And so now I'm like, oh, I should revisit that with him. Sure. Yeah. Children can benefit tremendously as you and I both know. Yeah, for sure. That's great to hear, hear your stories about this. Well, speaking of stories, how did you come to the place in life where you were a coach who helped people pivot and help people find their direction you know so i was in my own trying to figure out what i was going to do i think a lot of us when we go to college we're pretty certain we know what we want to do by the end of college not all of us but we have an idea and we've gone through the program and we get out into the real world and even if you get something that you thought you wanted a lot of times when you're getting out of school and into the job market all of a sudden, those jobs are different than what you had envisioned from listening to your professors who have never had a real job outside of academia, you know? True. And so I was in that moment, and I was only getting interviews at places I did not want to work. 
because they were like a clear path forward. Mm-hmm. And I really wasn't sure what I wanted exactly. And so I started doing all of the reading, all the self-help books, all the career books, figuring out what Myers-Briggs type is, strengths finder, stuff like that. And as I was going through that journey, I actually did not get more clear. What I started help doing is all of my friends were in that same stage. What do I do next? Or how do I stop being pigeonholed? You know, how do I make really solid transition from where I've started post-college to where I really actually want to go? And so by the time I helped the third person get a job where they wanted to be, I started realizing that I am really good at coaching. And so that's how I ended up in coaching. Wow, that's very cool. And then you were coaching. And then what made you decide to write a journal, create a journal to, uh, you know, put out to the world? So I had... It's a little bit of a long story. I had my, when I had my first child, I was one of those glowy pregnant women that everyone else hates. I did <laughs> yoga on the day my son was born. Wow. And so I was super like perky, glowy, like I always looked happy. <laughs> then my second kid, I got pregnant with him. And I was expecting it to be like happy, glowy. I'm going to do yoga every day. And in my first trimester, I had a chiropractic injury to my hips. And if anyone knows about pregnancy, your body's making hormones that are actually trying to loosen up your hips. And so it was impossible to get them to heal properly while I was pregnant. And so I did physical therapy at least twice a week my entire pregnancy. I had to use a cane off and on. It was really debilitating. And to go from happy, glowy pregnant person to I can't walk, I'm cranky because I'm in pain all the time, that was hard. And then little cutie pie was born and he had horrible chronic ear infections for the first year of his life. And he was huge. He was born 10 pounds, eight ounces, and he just chunked out from there. So I'm struggling with healing my body while carrying a basically a bowling ball around with me everywhere. (laughs) And he never wanted to be put down because ear infections and he was in pain. It was, I was underwater. You know, it. I was keeping that kid alive, keeping the older kid alive and dealing with my clients. And that is it. And when I basically started getting back to myself, I had, when he started getting better, when he got ear tubes, and then when my hips started healing, I really had a lot more space in my life. And I think a lot of people have this happen where... When you start having more space, that's when things hit you. Because when you're in the middle of crisis mode, you're just running off of adrenaline and cortisol. And maybe you're being mindful about it, but there's really not much you can do. Sometimes there are problems you can't fix. Uh, Mindfulness was not going to fix the fact that I was in pain. Like it could help manage it, but it couldn't fix it. Mindfulness couldn't fix my son's ear infections. Um, So... As I was getting back to 
myself and wondering why I was still unhappy, even though things were progressing. I had was talking about it with a friend. We all talk about these things with our friends. And she was great. She stopped me and she's like, Becca, you're a career coach. You've been doing this forever. How do you help people kind of work through this, get unstuck, figure out what they want to do next? And that hit me like a ton of bricks because I do have this within me. I do know how to do it. And I got off the phone and I realized as I got off the phone, well, the way I help my clients is I just ask them a ton of questions. Like I ask it naturally through the course of conversations. It's not like I'm interrupting, but I try to ask insightful questions to make them stop and think, and then they come up with the answers themselves. It's not me. And so I just sat down and wrote out every question I could think of that I had ever asked that helped someone get clarity. Then I went back and started answering them for myself. And as I did that, I realized that one of the things that I had lost during that chaotic time was my writing. I love writing. I actually had ran a mindfulness website for be, like for beginners that was pretty popular. I had 90 authors writing for me, but it was totally a labor of love. I wasn't making any money at it. And then when he was born, I just I had to let it go. I couldn't keep editing 90 people's work for free while dealing with all of that. And so uh yeah, it was really it was very sad and poignant. Like I I realized when I hadn't before, it's like I let go a part of me. And so then I created the Clarity Journal to be my first writing project, really, but also to help people that are in that space of what am I going to do next? Because I think that when we're in that space, maybe the most mindful of, mindful of us could go through that space by ourselves. But we oftentimes ask ourselves rote questions. We keep asking ourselves the same question over and over again instead of really trying to expand our frame of reference to get the outside input. Like the way I was asking it wasn't in a way that really where I was ever going to get the insight that I had let go of my writing, you know, because I wasn't letting myself go in that deep. I think also a lot of times when we are just in our head about a problem, we're not thinking it through as clearly as we think we are. We're basically saying the same couple things to ourselves. Yeah. And so when you can be asked really powerful questions, those questions just lead to deeper thinking and that deeper thinking helps you make the connections because that's really where it's all at is you making the, the connections within your own brain. Here's a quick word from my sponsor. And now back to Becca Ribbing. Is there a certain length of time that it usually takes people to get through this journal? You know, I would say that most people don't do the whole journal. And I, in the beginning of the journal, encourage people to do the the questions that speak to them, maybe also do the questions that make them really scared. But there are a lot of questions in there that you don't necessarily need to answer because what it is, is being mindful and, and having insight into yourself. And so some of that is just, hey, I have an interesting response to this. So I would say, you know, I know that there are some people that 
you know, dive in and finish the whole thing in a week. I definitely know people like that. Mm -hmm. I also know that there are people that kind of flip around, you know, it's like, oh, I'll do this today. I'll do that tomorrow. But I'd say that once you start answering the questions, things become more clear fairly rapidly. Mm -hmm. The book is broken up into a couple different sections. The beginning section is start with what's working because a lot of times when we're trying to figure out what we want to do next, we're really looking at the bad parts. And then we have a tendency to idealize the next thing that we've decided to do without recognizing what we're giving up. And so I, so when we can really start with like gratitude and being centered with where we are, then it helps you not lose sight of what's good. And then when you then go forward and start looking at the problem, it gives you a better frame of reference of like the reality of the problem as opposed to being like letting yourself dramatize it. And then let me think what other, I don't, I usually have the book right next to me and I don't have it. Right. Um, one of my other favorite sections of the book is friends and mentors. Okay. And it's really all about helping you figure out who's being useful to you in helping you move forward and who might be holding you back, who you might sh maybe should be reaching out to just different ideas, because I think that's the other thing we get stuck in our own head. And, you know, if we're only talking about it with our best friend who's somewhat negative or doesn't believe in us or whatever, then that's a lot different than talking to my friend who was both very confident I could figure it out and also felt safe enough to <laughs> tell me something that was going to really annoy me. Like, what would you tell yourself, you know? And I think a lot of times we want to do everything ourselves. I think I think that it's not so much Gen Z versus millennial versus Gen X versus boomer. I think where we really are living in right now is the Google generation. And we all, all of us from like age 12 to age 65, all believe we should be able to Google something and figure it out. And, <laughs> so the, true. It, but the problem with that is you don't necessarily have the experience to filter the information that Google is giving you. Google is giving you literally a million results on the topic you just put in. Well, how are you going to filter through to decide which one is the right one for you? You don't have, if you don't have the experience, if you're Googling something that's completely outside of your frame of reference, then what you really need is a teacher, a mentor to help you filter through that information to know what the pros and cons are. And I will give you a really good example of this. I, after, when I was recovering from the hip injury after the baby was born, I was in Pilates and I was in one-on-one -on -one Pilates. It was great. But we also, because it was one-on-one -on -one Pilates, had a lot of time to talk and I was telling her what I do. And she was like, oh, that's interesting. And I, and she kept, we kept talking about it and in the middle of the conversation, she got really quiet and she was like, if I had hired you, I would have never become a Pilates instructor. Oh, and I was like, oh, that's a hard realization. Yes. So let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. And she was like, if I had 
instead of trying to do this all on my own, if I had been talking to people in the industry, like really, instead of pushing to like that, I knew what I was doing and, and actually like talk to people to get their wisdom, I wouldn't have done it because physical, all physical fitness is split shift. So they almost always have to work really early, like 6 a.m. to open up the gym and like all of the really early people that come in before work. Mm -hmm. And then that basically ends up winding up around 10, 1030 because the stay at home moms that came in before the um, right after their kids went to school and then starting at like four o'clock, three o'clock, maybe till eight, then they're working again because that's when people are off again. And you also don't make that much money. So she was working in a fairly high end area and couldn't afford to live there. So her commute was almost an hour. Oh, wow. And so she didn't have time at 1030 to go home and then come back at three. And I, my heart went out to her because I didn't really... I mean, I know what I would do if I was her coach, but I, mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't her coach. She was coach. Right. She was supposed to be coaching me. And I try to respect that. I don't, sure. <laughs> I'm not the type of person that just walks around telling people yeah. you need to change your job. Um, but it was just a really powerful example to me because I think that so many of us make those decisions in our lives because of things we Googled and because of books we've read where we didn't actually talk to a person to make sure that our information really was apl applicable to us. Yeah. It's one of the things I love about podcasts, honestly. It's like you're getting kind of more of a un unvarnished, real, uh, real life advice dynamic as opposed to a book where people are trying to like present themselves as whatever they're trying to present themselves as. Yeah, sure. Well, that's a very interesting story. And, uh, you know, I, I read quite a few of the reviews online. And I want to mention again, Mindful Tribe, this is called the Clarity Journal. The journal is called the Clarity Journal. And you can find it online. Becca Ribbing is who we're talking to today. And Becca's website is BeccaRibbing.com. B-E-C-C-A-R-I-B-B. I-N-G. So you can check that out. And on one of the reviews, Becca, that I read at the bottom, it said, first of all, it went on, I'm loving this book. It helped me to navigate my transition from corporate America to entrepreneurship. And this person just raved about this. And then at the end, the person said, hey, if it worked for Francis of Assisi, I have faith that it'll work for me and you. So tell me about that. Is there a story there or is that person no, just there's saying? Not. No, I just okay. put a quote. there's a quote. There's also, it's interspersed with quotes and Fran right. St. Francis of Assisi has some really beautiful quotes. Sure. So he's in it. It's actually funny because I, um, I'm an atheist. And I think people read that and they think like, oh, like she's Christian. And I'm like, oh, I hope you're not going to be disappointed because, yeah. but you know, there's wisdom in every, in every time period sure. and like from every thought. Um, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So. Sure. Well, that's interesting. And, and one of the other things I wanted to ask you about is, 
the topic of bullying, because I've worked in this, this area for quite a long time, and I always ask this question to my guests, because there's a close connection between, between bullying and mindfulness and having our direction clear. If people are really clear on their direction in life, they probably, and, and this is a generalization, but they're probably just going toward that point and not getting into some of the, these challenges that we have. But what story do you have that you can share with us? You know, this is gonna be a this is gonna be a little bit of a not a, not answering your question to answer your question. Uh, my older son, I homeschooled for a couple years, and when I first started homeschooling him, a number of people. You know, back up for a second. I was assuming when I started homeschooling, what everyone would say is, how is he going to make friends? How is he going to socialize? You know, that's what you think of. That's what I thought of sure. when you thought of homeschooling. And that's actually not what anyone asked me. Uh, I don't know if it's because they knew my kid was a social butterfly or what, but I literally have never gotten answer asked that question. The question everyone asked me was, how is he going to learn to deal with difficult people? Okay. And the second or third time someone asked me that, I like had a physical reaction to it because, you know, working with all of these people in their careers, well, almost every single person I ever work with has stayed in a job a year, two years, five years too long. Mm. They aren't being valued. You know, they may be in bullying situations, like in the most extreme, but they are not being treated well is almost always the reframe mm -hmm. and so it really made me stop and think it's like oh we're actually training kids that it's not under their control we are training them that they could be in a bad situation you know and for that nine months they're gonna be stuck with that teacher they don't like and who doesn't like them and then it changes or it doesn't because if it's a kid and you're just happen to be in that class again next year. But we are actually teaching kids that they don't have control over it and they can't have control over it. And it's not they have no agency. Mm -hmm. And I see adults playing this out over and over and over again. And it's like, but we have total agency over our work environment. We can get another job, especially now when it's so easy to get a job. But even before I talk to so many people and they don't feel like they have agency. They are waiting for someone else to change the paradigm. They're waiting for their boss to get a raise and or a promotion. They're waiting for themselves to get a promotion. They're angry that they're not getting a promotion. They are angry about a lot of things where they are not feeling like they are being treated right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you really could get another job. Like, I, I don't say that flippantly. I know it's not easy to get a job. Right. But why spend that time in cortisol and adrenaline and like worry yeah. and doubt and it always does a number on your self-esteem why stay there and i just am now really a strong believer in self-parenting right like mm -hmm. you should have had more control over your environment as a kid you do have more control over it now and really kind of mindfully being aware when a situation isn't working for you that you actually can set boundaries and that you actually can take back your power and demand that you are treated in a certain way. And if you are not, then you remove yourself from that situation. 
I'm not saying quit in like a flame of glory, <laughs> right. but sure. start job searching. Yeah. Yeah. Good advice. Well, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you, Becca, uh, five quick answer questions. So just sure. 30 second answers are perfect. And the first question is this, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? I mean, that 13-year-old girl has probably been the biggest influence, even though I've read lots of amazing people since then. That was the single most clarifying moment in That's my mindfulness cool. journey. That's really cool. Let's talk about emotions and how mindfulness has affected how you deal with your emotions. I think that it has helped me be aware. And I think that the thing that it's helped me do the most is apologize. You know, because if we can be mindful about what we're doing, can't always control the emotions, but we can always control our response to them, at least after the fact, and make sure that we repair. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, breathing. Let's talk about that. Have you got any insight or thoughts on breathing that could help our listeners? I don't know, because I kind of feel like anyone listening to this has probably spent a lot of time thinking about it. But as someone who has a perpetually stuffy nose, I think this is where we get into adults have a lot of rules about breathing. And it is okay if you have a deviated septum or if you have allergies, like you don't need to do it, quote unquote, right in order to do it right for you. Yeah, that's that's an interesting perspective. Yeah, it's true. Sometimes people can try so hard to do something right that the trying is what is sabotaging them. Right. Yeah. Uh, what about books? Your journal, the Clarity Journal, I highly recommend. Are there any books that you would recommend on this topic of mindfulness? Oh, what is that book called? I mean, if it's anyone's a beginner that... Um, Buddha in Blue Jeans. It's like available on Kindle Unlimited. It's really short, but I like it because it kind of is about the same spirit as that that 13-year-old that girl had, like much mm -hmm. more tongue-in-cheek, bringing a little bit of humor and a little bit of levity. And I like that style, so I would say that. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And uh, how about apps? Are there any apps that you recommend related to mindfulness? I think what I actually recommend is YouTube. I just mm -hmm. love the meditations on YouTube. I don't always use them, but if I'm really having a hard time letting go, I find that they're very, like, you know, they, there are a lot. So you can find someone that is completely your style and it's free. Yeah, for sure. That's great. Okay, well, thanks for answering those five quick answer questions. And uh, I want to ask you this, what's next? Are you thinking about writing any other kind of like a book or anything else? So I've been struggling with a book. And I think I keep telling people I'm going to write mindful procrastination, but I am not sure that's <laughs> going to end up being my next thing because it was supposed to be out this fall and I'm still struggling with it. Um, I am... Um, actually kind of working on a book on boundaries as well because I think a lot of times once you start being a little more mindful we weren't taught how to create boundaries and 
I feel like that's kind of the next step is actually boundaries for yourself, boundaries for others, and really being able to mindfully do that in a loving spirit. Hmm. That sounds like an interesting book. I'll be looking forward to reading yeah. that. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up the interview, do you have any final words of advice for our listeners who just want to, well, get unstuck, move ahead, have focus and clarity? What are your thoughts? I think there's always a reason to put it off till tomorrow. And it's harder to be mindful when you're in a bad situation or an uncomfortable situation. And sometimes we need to sit there in that uncomfortable situation so we can learn the lessons from it. But we don't need to stay there forever. And you're really doing yourself a disservice, your future self a disservice if you don't really dedicate yourself to moving forward now. Right. Well, that's good advice. Well, Becca, thank you so much for being on Mindfulness Mode today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. That was fun. All the best to you. Bye now. Hey, Mindful Tribe, it's almost New Year's. How exciting is that? And you know what? I feel like the Clarity Journal that Becca has created is a terrific way to hit the new year with full intention. Stop what you're doing right now and order it so you can get on track with your life. Also, I want to thank Palm Wonderful for being my sponsor. Drink it daily, feel it forever. For more info, check out palmwonderful.com. And with that, reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.